0: Well, greetings to everyone in Jesus' name and welcome to the house of God. It is good to be in the house of God. It's good to bring our offering of sacrifice and thanksgiving into the into the house of the Lord. Well, this morning, uh, I appreciated very much Daryl's opening message. But what he said at the beginning about uh, it being difficult to know what to preach, I could say amen to that. And I have chosen to go a little different direction, and it will seem contradictory to what he said. But I want to be very clear What I'm doing this morning is that I'm choosing to have us take our eyes off the immediate and the present for a short time to think about something else. And this in no way minimizes the importance of the things that we have been focused on and need to focus on and keep uh, working. I would liken this to my work when I met in the office uh, at the computer there and working with numbers and papers and everything it, after a while, it uh, is helpful to just push back and look at something else for a bit before you come back to working on your issue. So that's what I'm doing this morning, if you can bear with me, and I want to share something I've spoken on before. I believe it may have been, I'm not sure how long ago, maybe six, five, six years ago, I don't quite remember. And you may have noticed, some of you, if you checked your phone, I send a photo around of the Eastern Gate in Jerusalem. Now, Tyler's having gone to Jerusalem, uh, after they were there, I think it was maybe a week or so, they spend a day going around looking at various things in Jerusalem. And so they sent a number of photos of their little brief tour. And this was the first photo that they sent of the Eastern Gate at Jerusalem. And after they had sent us those photos and explained a little what the different photos were and all that, then Lisa mentioned that they were obedient to the scriptures in Psalm 48, where it says, Walk about Zion and go round about her. Tell the towers thereof. Mark ye well her bulwarks. Consider her palaces, that ye may tell it to the generations following. And that was what they had literally done, is gone around in various parts on the wall. Well, when I see that gate and what it represents, it always is an inspiration to me and some a matter of deep contemplation. And so I'd like to explain a bit about the significance of that eastern gate. We have in our hymn books one Uh, hymn that we were, it makes reference to that eastern gate. I think it's 9, what is it, 997? Just inside the eastern gate over there. What's that talking about? I'd like to speak about that this morning and perhaps some of you remember me speaking on this before. But this is taking our attention for a moment beyond the conflict that we have in this life. And it takes us to the other side of that conflict. And it's important for us to have some perspective that there is something worth striving for. We have a goal, and this, what I want to talk about this morning is What I believe is on the other side. And yet today we have a visual representation of that promise of what is to come. So if you want to turn in your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 44... In Ezekiel 44, this was in the vision of Ezekiel. It says, Then he brought me back the way of the gate of the outward sanctuary, which looketh toward the east, and it was shut. Then said the Lord unto me, This gate shall be shut, it shall not be opened, and no man shall enter in by it, because the Lord... The God of Israel hath entered in by it. Therefore it shall be shut. It is for the prince. The prince. He shall sit in it to eat bread before the Lord. He shall enter in by the way of the porch of that gate. And shall go out by the way of the same. Now just to explain a little of that gate. It is in... The part of the old city, there's the old city of Jerusalem that has the walls round about it. Those walls are still there. And I say still there. Uh, They have been rebuilt because Jerusalem was destroyed a number of times. And particularly it was destroyed when they were carried away captive into Babylon. Babylon. And they were captive there for 70 years, and then they came back, and under Nehemiah, they rebuilt the wall. And as you know the account there, if you read through the book of Nehemiah, you will read how that they built the wall in troublous times, and it tells us who built what portion of the wall, and it talks about from this gate to the next gate, and so on, around the city. Now that city was again destroyed in AD 70 under the Roman armies and Titus and because as according to what Jesus prophesied that not one stone would be left upon another the temple was leveled and there has not been a temple uh, for the people of God since that time. Now the wall I believe was also broken down in In most places during that time, perhaps later, a bit more of it was destroyed, but it was so for hundreds of years, and then it was rebuilt again under the Ottoman Empire, a great portion of the wall was rebuilt. The gates that were there originally are pretty much still there, although a number of the gates. I'm not sure, is there six or seven, maybe seven gates, and this one is still shut. But the, um, most of the gates may have shifted slightly from their original position, but this one called the eastern gate is believed to still be in its original spot. And perhaps one of the other gates as well. Whereas the others, while they have the same name, historically they uh, may be just at a slightly different location in, in relation to the rest of the wall and so on. But this gate is believed to be in its original location. And just inside this gate is the Temple Mount. This gate actually gives access to what is known as the Temple Mount, where the temple used to stand. And that's why in that hymn, they talk about, I will meet you over there just inside the Eastern Gate, because it's talking about being at the temple of the Lord. Now this gate faces toward the east. It's on the east wall of Jerusalem. So if you were on the inside looking out, you would be facing east. And just across a small valley is the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is on the east side of the city. So if you were looking, if you were standing on the Mount of Olives and facing the city you would see pretty much straight ahead of you the eastern gate. That's how it's situated. And just beyond the gate is the Temple Mount, where the temple used to stand. So that's how this is situated. Now if you see a photo of this gate, you will notice that it, is, it has arches, it has the shape of a gate, but it is completely closed up with stone stone and concrete so that no man can go through and this is very strange but historically now this gate would have been rebuilt after some time after the time of Christ it being destroyed and then later was rebuilt and under one of the ottoman Uh, sultans who were ruling in the Ottoman Empire. He was concerned that the Jews who were looking for their Messiah had some reason for this gate to be there and he decided in order to thwart their plan and idea that a Messiah was coming that he would have that gate shut. And so he did. He closed that gate and had it concreted in and closed up with stone so that no man could go in or out. And then further, to really seal the deal in his mind, he decided that there ought to be a cemetery immediately outside the gate. And so to this day, there's a cemetery immediately outside that gate. And his reasoning was that if he buries people of Muslim belief that a holy man of the Jewish faith would not defile himself by walking across those tombs. And so he's established this barricade, if you will, that accesses the gate. Now what he didn't realize, of course, is that he was actually fulfilling prophecy. And we just read that here in Ezekiel 44. It says, This gate shall be shut, it shall not be opened, and no man shall enter in by it, because the Lord, the God of Israel, hath entered in by it. Therefore it shall be shut. Amazing. So when you see this gate, just realize that this is what was prophesied by Ezekiel from a vision of the Lord, and it's there to this day. Now, going back a bit in history, there is something very symbolical here too. And that is that in the time of Christ, when our Messiah and the Jewish Messiah and the hope of all the ages was actually walking on the earth, he went to the temple of God. He went to that temple where God had dwelt in his Shekinah glory. He went and worshipped at that temple. And you know the story of how he went into the temple and at one point he cleansed the temple of all the money changers and drove them out. And he said that this house shall be a house of prayer for all people. And just prior to his crucifixion, he made what we call the triumphal entry into Jerusalem where he was riding upon an ass and they strewed garments in the way and waved palm branches and all that and and the children cried out, Hosanna! Hosanna! Uh, to the highest and praised him as he entered into Jerusalem. And I believe he would have been coming in through the eastern gate because as he came in then into the city, he he went into the temple. And there they were singing praises and saying Hosanna. And I believe it was there where the Pharisees thought these, these children and all should be quiet. And he assured them that if these were to hold their peace, the rocks would cry out. So even though he was not recognized as the king by many, there were some who would have. But he came in humility to offer himself a sacrifice. But he came into that temple... And he went through that gate. And it says here, This gate shall be shut, it shall not be opened, and no man shall enter in by it, because the Lord, the God of Israel, hath entered in by it, therefore it shall be shut. And the symbolism is that he was rejected by his own people, even though he had come to the temple as uh, the one who was greater than the temple, and they rejected him. And you know the, the account there. But because he had entered in through that gate and was rejected, and God took away that kingdom from them, and they were scattered abroad upon the face of the earth because of their sin and iniquity, And God shut the door. He had it shut. And so it has now for hundreds of years, that gate has stood there as a testimony to what took place and as a representation of what is to come. Now let's... Uh, go back to some more scriptures. Uh, in Ezekiel, I'd like you to turn to the prior uh, chapter here in Ezekiel 43. And I want to read the first, what is it, uh, first nine verses. Ezekiel 43, verse 1, it says, Afterward he brought me to the gate, even the gate that looketh toward the east. And behold, the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east, and his voice was like a noise of many waters, and the earth shined with his glory. And it was according to the appearance of the vision which I saw, even according to the vision." That I saw when I came to destroy the city. And the visions were like the vision that I saw by the river Chebar, and I fell upon my face. And the glory of the Lord came into the house by the way of the gate, whose prospect is toward the east. So the Spirit took me up and brought me into the inner court, and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house. And I heard him speaking unto me out of the house. And the man stood by me, and he said unto me, Son of man, the place of my throne, and the place of the soles of my feet, where I will dwell in the midst of the children of Israel forever, and my holy name shall the house of Israel no more defile, neither they nor their kings by their whoredom, nor by the carcasses of their kings in their high places." In their setting of their threshold by my thresholds, and their posts by my posts, and the wall between me and them, they have even defiled my holy name by their abominations that they have committed, wherefore I have consumed them in mine anger. Now let them put away their whoredom and the carcasses of their kings far from me, and I will dwell in the midst of them forever. We'll stop reading there. He did go on and talk about uh, various aspects of this uh, temple and altar and so on. And then when we get to chapter 44, he says, Then he brought me back the way of the gate of the outward sanctuary which looketh toward the east and it was shut. Now, what I believe is going on here is that this vision that was explained in chapter 43, where he saw the glory of the Lord fill the temple, is yet future. There is a... And, but then when he goes back in, verse, in chapter 43 and sees that the gate was shut, it's talking about the time of history that we are in now. When the gate is shut. Because there was a time when the God of glory walked in through the gate and into the temple and was in the temple of God. But he was rejected and they, in their sin and transgression, God took them away and then the gate was shut. And then it says that it is for the prince. The prince that shall come or that uh, he shall sit in it to eat bread before the Lord. Now throughout the centuries, it has been understood by many that this is the gate through which the king will come into Jerusalem. The Messiah of Israel will come in through that gate. And that is why, in fact, it was shut. It was sealed shut to attempt to do away with that promise and to assure that it can't happen. But you know, man's ways are nothing with God. God will have the last word. And he even told us what it is in, in, in his word. So I believe what is given in a vision there in Ezekiel 43, is yet future, and here's why. Let's, Let's look through what it says here. It says, Afterward he brought me to the gate, even the gate that looketh toward the east, and behold, the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east, and his voice was like a noise of many waters, And the earth shined with his glory. Now when, either past or future, does the earth shine with the glory of God? Well, it's pretty clear that when Christ comes in power and in glory, the whole earth will shine with his glory. And so he came from the way of the east. Now remember as I explained, the situation of this gate. On the east side is the Mount of Olives. That's from the way of the east. It says the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east. So he came from the Mount of Olives. And he comes through that gate. Now for further details about that let's go to Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 14. Behold the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth, And fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley. And half of the mountain shall remove toward the north and half of it toward the south. And ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azel. Yea, ye shall flee like as ye fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. And the Lord my God shall come, and all the saints with thee. Now when is that? When the Lord our God shall come, and all the saints with thee. Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints, as we read in Jude, and we read in Revelation how the heavens opened, and a white horse, and he that came forth was riding on the horse, and all the armies which were in heaven followed him. So he comes as one who conquers and who fights in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. And that's on the east side of Jerusalem. Let's continue reading here, verse 6. And it shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear nor dark, but it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. And it shall be in that day... That living waters shall go out from Jerusalem, half of them toward the former sea and half of them toward the hinder sea. In summer and in winter shall it be. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth in that day. Let me read that again. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day shall there be one Lord and his name one. That's the day of the Lord when he will come in power and glory and all the armies of heaven with him. And if we connect all the other passages of scripture, it would seem to me that is the moment when the rapture occurs and that trumpet sounds and we're caught up together with the Lord in the air. And then the Lord comes and stands upon the Mount of Olives in that day. And as I said, this whole picture, I believe, is on the other side of the conflict. At the time when we are raptured. And I think many people read some of these passages and wonder how this can possibly come to pass. And what how this is all going to be. And... And I say, let's just accept it for how God said it. I don't understand all of it. There are many complex parts of this. But what we're reading here is pretty straightforward, I believe, where he's going to come in power and glory. Now let's look at another passage in Psalm 24. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord, and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob. Selah. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Selah. So those gates will lift up their heads. And the gate will open up and the king of glory comes in. Now let's go back to that passage in Ezekiel 43. Mm -hmm. And we looked at various passages of Scripture where it's clear that when Christ comes, And all the armies of heaven following him. He comes as a conquering king. He comes in the glory of his father. He comes with all the holy angels with him. He fights as in the day of battle. And as he conquers and comes to judge the earth. He will stand in that day on the Mount of Olives. And remember, when that day comes, he will be shining forth. The earth will be filled with the light of his glory. As the lightning shineth from one side of heaven to the other, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Now let's read here again in Ezekiel 43. Afterward, he brought me to the gate, even the gate that looketh toward the east. And behold, the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east, and his voice was like the noise of many waters, and the earth shined with his glory. And it was according to the appearance of the vision which I saw, even according to the vision that I saw when I came to destroy the city. And the visions were like the vision that I saw by the river Chebar, and I fell upon my face. And the glory of the Lord came into the house by the way of the gate, whose prospect is toward the east. So the Spirit took me up and brought me into the inner court, and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house. And I heard him speaking unto me out of the house, and the man stood by me, and said unto me, Son of man, the place of my throne, and the place of the soles of my feet, where I will dwell in the midst of the children of Israel forever. And my holy name shall the house of Israel no more defile, neither they nor their kings by their whoredom, nor by the carcasses of their kings in their high places. In their setting of their threshold by my thresholds, and their post by my posts in the wall between me and them, they have even defiled my holy name by their abominations that they have committed Wherefore, I have consumed them in mine anger. Now let them put away their whoredom and the carcasses of their kings far from me, and I will dwell in the midst of them forever. I will dwell in the midst of them forever. It tells us in other places and other prophecies that the law of the Lord will go forth from Jerusalem. He will sit as king over all the earth. It says that plainly here. The place of my throne, he will set it in Jerusalem. And he will be king over all the earth when all the nations of the world are made subject unto him. He will reign in Jerusalem, and righteousness will cover the earth as waters cover the sea. So, when you see that picture again of that gate, think about the promise that's behind it. That gate is shut. And there's symbolism in the reason that it's shut. It was because he was rejected. He had gone in and they did not receive him. But he is coming. And he that shall come will come and will not tarry. So remember that promise. That it will come to pass just like he said it would. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. And he will go through that gate into the city. May the Lord bless you with that.